okay, here's the scenario, right? Oh, Somebody good. runs up to you. They've got a, a needle in their fist and they go, Emily, oh my God, t- I've got this shot. If you take it, you'll live forever, but it d- expires in five minutes. What, what do you do? Okay. I mean, <laughs> first of all, I'm glad you qualified a shot because when you just said a needle in their fist. Yeah, I meant like a <laughs> syringe, like they're holding one. <laughs> they've got a needle i've um, been sewing and i've had an accident <laughs> i uh, for sure not because i feel like i've seen too many books and movies about how immortality is a curse yeah but none of those books and movies were written by anybody who's lived forever so what do they know that's true you know i should really do some research on yeah. genuine immortals <laughs> yeah. before I- you gotta get some firsthand research here no but i mean everyone you'd know would die eventually okay i guess what i'm thinking in my head is uh, you you then are become the person that runs up to your friends and family <laughs> and send yeah is this an email chain that yeah, you it's got like a chain mail you it's gotta like reply a in 10 minutes or you'll have bad luck yeah. for 10 years <laughs> exactly but i guess i'm i'm also thinking of your reaction could also just be when they say that you're just like um pass it on to the next person and double it (laughs) welcome to butter no parsnips every week on butter no parsnips your hosts kyle imperator and emily moyers take you on an adventure through the weird wacky wonderful and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, you guys, listen. I'm just going to vamp. You're all listening to Butter No Parsnips, sponsored uh, by... <laughs> yeah, we would have responded by uh, hey, everybody. It's all of, I've got tattoos of it all over me. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Emily Moyers. And I'm Kyle Imperator. And Kyle has got a word. Kyle does have prepared material. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, contrary to the <laughs> chaos that you've been listening to thus far. It isn't just an entirely improvised podcast, although it may seem that way. <laughs> No, we have it carefully scripted. I'm reading my next line right now. Beat. (laughs) Yeah. No, Emily, I've got a word for you today. Are you ready for it? I'm so ready. I'm so glad you're ready. And I don't think you're as ready as you think you are. Okay. So, Emily, your word today is conjuries. It's spelled C-O-N-G-E-R-I-E-S. Conjuries. Or if you're British, conjuries. Hello, congeries. <laughs> like, like, Mary, Mary, quite congeries. <laughs> yeah, quite congeries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But American is conjuries? Conjuries, yes. Conjuries. So when you said that, I was thinking like C O N J U R. Yes. And I was like, well, clearly that means things that have been conjured. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I write. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so is this a plural noun? It is not. Is it a present tense verb? Nope. Why? Why does it end in an <laughs> ies, Kyle? That's a great question, Emily. Emily, it is a singular noun. A conjuries. A conjuries. A single conjuries. And what on is it? <laughs> French. 
Uh, it is not French. No. What is the language? What is the, what is the language what here? What is the language? <laughs> I mean, English now, but... <laughs> it is borrowed directly from Latin, Emily. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And it and you are right in thinking that it has nothing to do with conjuring up something. Sure. Boy, I feel like I, 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 I'm tempted to ask for a clue. I want to make one yeah. wild guess first. I, do a wild guess. My wild guess. Your clue isn't going to help at all either. But. <laughs> well, all right then. Let's have the clue because yeah. I'm so lost. So the clue that I came up with is, it's a stretch, but you'll get it when you get the definition. <laughs> okay. The clue is... Laundry. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Got so far from anything I would have thought. Okay, so this is an ancient Latin loan word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's singular, despite it being conjuries. (laughs) Yes, mm -hmm. and it somehow Uh is connected to the word laundry. Yeah, I mean, Emily. You so- it sounds like you're right there. You yeah. got every bit I of mean, this. I mean, all of that <laughs> clearly adds up to conjuries, meaning a conjuries. A conjuries. A conjuries is, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> is, um, like, you know, in cartoons when they, uh-huh. uh, like swallow soap and then they burp and a soap bubble comes out. Okay. Yeah. That's a conjuries. <laughs> I mean, Emily, I'd love to give this to you because. <laughs> There should be a word for that. (laughs) And this sounds like it could be that word, you know? No, I give up. (laughs) So, Emily, a conjuries is a disorderly collection in a mass, a jumble, or a heap. Like a pile of laundry? Like a pile of laundry. That's the connection there, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) You're a monster. (laughs) I said, hey, Kyle, I'm thinking about doing this new idea where we can help the other person guess the definition. It'll be great. I mean, it's hard to, with like nouns, I mean, you can't just make it a synonym. Synonymic. Synonymic. (laughs) Synonymous. Synonymous. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, Kyle, tell me about conjuries because I'm going nuts right I now. I know you're going nuts. Okay, so <laughs> conjuries is borrowed directly from the Latin word congeris, mm-hmm. spelled the same, which means a heap, a pile, or a mass, or a collection or accumulation. This comes from the Latin word congero, meaning I bring together, or I collect, or I accumulate, but also I heap upon, or I lavish upon. Oh, so like like if I heap compliments on someone. Yes, that is, that's, the, that's the verb of conjuries, yes. Sure. Congero is made up of two parts. It's got the prefix con, which essentially means with or together, as we know in English. That yeah. comes from the Latin cum, in the old Latin comb, but that second part, gero, means I carry or I bear. Thus, congero means I carry together, I bring together. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That makes now, sense. I know it's like, okay, well, I still, this still doesn't have any relation to me, right? <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. I'm still, I'm, you know, I, I still feel like the loading bar, it hasn't finished yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like I maybe think... 70% across. <laughs> And it's like, well, when are these packets going to be done downloading? <laughs> yeah, it says finalizing, but it just keeps yeah. spinning on finalizing. 
<laughs> Let me finalize it for you, Emily. So you might be more familiar with this term through this relation. The perfect passive participle of congero, I collect, is congestus, collected. Formed into a noun, this becomes the Latin congestio, that which is heaped up or accumulated, Love which this. comes to English through Middle French as our congestion, a hindrance or blockage Whoa! due to accumulation or gathering into a heap or mass. That's so fun. I know. <laughs> wow. And so congeries is the stuff that is congested. I mean, you could say or the like, mass at the center of the congestion. Yes, a congeries is a congestion. Sure, ish. I, ish. I think in English, it's it's kind of got different connotations now. But all right, I, it's it's finalized, Kyle. It's finalized. It, perfect. Your, your file is ready. <laughs> I'm really glad. Now I can finally play Brick Breaker. Wow, that long to download Brick Breaker? <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know I'm a gamer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kyle's, Kyle's pretty a hardcore gamer. His favorites yeah. lately have been Brick Breaker and Tetris. Yeah. And Tetris. Oh, I have been playing a lot of Tetris. I know. Wow, that is just a true thing we can tell the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, let's let's talk about uh, more about Conjuries. All right, I've got sure. so much here to talk about. So, since Conjuries has such a generic meaning, you can imagine there might be a Conjuries of examples out there. Yeah. And I've got a bunch of them here for you today. Wow. So, for instance, Conjuries can be used for intangible things, like to attack an enemy's argument, as in the fictional Letters of Clericus to Lycus, in which Clericus states... <laughs> The whole of your second letter is no more than an unconnected conjuries of the grossest impostures. I shall leave my readers to determine whether you have substantiated your first calumnies only by the production of new ones. Calumnies! Calumnies! <laughs> Amazing. And those were the letters that were trying to get Clericus to like us? Yeah, Clericus to like us. And it's like, you know, he's really, really trying hard and was like, guy, like... This isn't the way to our hearts, We could be the best of friends. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Clericus. The first letter in this collection, Emily, just by the way, is signed, Meantime, your antagonist is Clericus. What? <laughs> and I mean, that is definitely going to be how I'm going to be signing my emails from now on. <laughs> Away with best wishes. Yeah. <laughs> so another way that Condries can be used is to describe more tangible things, such as in Robert Curzon's 1849 Visits to Monasteries in the Levant, Ooh. where he describes the treacherous landscape of the Greek island of Samothrace, which he says must have been created solely for the benefit of artists and admirers of the picturesque, for it is fit for nothing else. It is high and barren, a congeries <laughs> of gigantic precipices and ridges. I suppose one can land upon it somewhere, for people <laughs> live on it who are said to be arrant pirates. But as one passes by it at sea, its interminable ribs of gray rock with the waves lashing against them are dreary looking in the extreme. And it is only when far distant that it becomes a beautiful object. <laughs> Just, I loved it from three miles away. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, Emily. Uh, I guess whether or not it's fun is up to your I determination. Will, I will decide. <laughs> yeah. Currently, the population of Samothrace, which is about 3,000, is outnumbered 15 to 1 by a congeries of tens of thousands of goats. Ah. 
So are the goats, you know, the the political power there? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a goatocracy. A goatocracy. Yeah. Obviously, this has caused unwanted erosion and overgrazing, which is a real problem for the farmers there. So, so we shouldn't make light of it. Cancel. We jokes. should. Yeah, cancel the jokes. This episode proceeds are going to the farmers on Samothrace. Yep. But there will be no proceeds for this episode. <laughs> so, sorry, guys. But you know, we'll we'll send them the audio. Yeah, and, uh, I'm sure that'll help. Um, so, Emily, the use of conjuries swinging widely between intangible and tangible epitomizes its application throughout history, as it has been especially utilized in the scientifical, religiosical, philosophical realms. So, Emily, the first English use of conjuries was in the early 1600s in a book entitled atheomastics oh is that a class offered at my local gym <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah you know i was i was talking to my atheomast the other day and he said <laughs> really the best way to burn uh <laughs> mm-hmm. you know atheomastics uh specifically targets fat uh just under your ears oh <laughs> And they target it by doing what? It's a lot of uh, wiggling your ears. Oh, um, okay. Doing that thing where you like fold your ears and then like close your nose and pop it. Oh, God. And they've got (laughs) classes for this? They got a bunch of people in a room together to do it? Yeah, they're all wearing like spandex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Richard Simmons. music playing, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in Atheomastics, Emily, the Reverend Martin Fatherby denounces atheism by validating the existence of the Holy Trinity. He says, This unity of the Godhead is either such a kind of unity as is among men, who though he be but one, yet is he a conjuries, a mass of many unlike and repugnant affections, but God is one in the most pure simplicity of his essence and being, so as nothing else is. Wow, so God is a conjuries. God is a conjuries, but a different kind of conjuries. Uh, a heap of spirits. A heap of pureness, I guess. <laughs> a dollop of daisy. <laughs> Sponsored by Daisy. Sponsored by Daisy and Rusties. <laughs> Rusties. <laughs> so Emily Fatherby uses the word Godhead. He did. Which might be more literally translated as Godhood. Uh huh. And it was first used to represent the essence of the Christian God in, of all places, the Bible. <laughs> of Wouldn't course. you know it? <laughs> but specifically, Emily, it was first used in the Bible as translated by our good friend John Wycliffe. Uh, Smaragdin? Smaragdin, hey. yeah. So, Atheomastics, Emily, for its part, seems to have been a big influence on the explorer John Smith. As in uh-huh. uh, Pocahontas? Yes. Exactly. Oh As in God. Pocahontas. Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. He loved his atheomastics classes. <laughs> <laughs> he was out there saying, huh, you know that girl's name? Pocahontas, you say? <laughs> <laughs> I just got to really work on my ear strength and then that'll strength. win her. She'll look over and be like, whoa, he can pop those ears real fast. <laughs> He's got no fat under his ears. <laughs> 
But yes, Emily, John Smith of Pocahontas fame, he included <laughs> several poetic quotations from atheomastics in his seminal work, The General History of Virginia, New England, and the Summer Isles, which is possibly the earliest written history of that territory. Oh, what are the Summer Isles in that area? The Summer Isles are present-day Bermuda. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, Emily, the philosopher Ralph Cudworth speaks similarly of atheism in his 1678, The True Intellectual System of the Universe, when he says, The God here described is not a mere conjuries of disunited matter or aggregation of divided atoms, but it is some one thing which was all. Oh, that makes it sound like mystical. I mean, it is kind of mystical. It had a kind of mystical usage. Ralph Cudworth here is criticizing a form of materialistic atheism called atomism. Atomism. Like the belief in atoms sort of refutes the belief in God, is my guess? This is what atomism is, okay? Okay. Atomism is a natural philosophy dating all the way back to the ancient Greek Leucippus. Leucippus. He proposed that the universe is fundamentally made of two things. Two things, count them two. Only two? Only two. Well, that makes it easy. (laughs) It does. One is indivisible components called atoms, and two is the space between atoms called void. Wow. I mean... Is that right? I feel like based on my understanding of like, you know, Uh the universe on a microscopic level, that's like it. (laughs) Emily, you are correct. (gasps) What a relief. (laughs) I know. And Leucippus was, you know, coming up with this philosophy in the 500s BC. Wow. Well, I mean, good job, Leucippus. He saw the universe. Yes. Piggybacking off of Leucippus. Yeah. His pupil, Democritus expanded on this idea when he proposed that the universe began as nothing but tiny atoms churning in chaos, which then collided together to form everything that exists. A hypothesis, Emily, which I can tell you're about to remark on, absolutely bears a striking resemblance to the Big Bang Theory, which wasn't developed for another 2,000 years. Wow. But was given credence by our man Stephen Hawking. And then was later given more credence by two guys with a big satellite dish. Anyway, this is just things yeah, that I know. Which were, um, I imagine, I uh, some guys trying to get get the boxing match, <laughs> pay-per-view. No, but they were trying to listen to something else. And then they kept getting all this background radiation that they couldn't explain. And they, <laughs> they thought that maybe it was being caused by bird poop on the satellite dish. So they spent like a lot of time cleaning bird poop off of the satellite (laughs) dish. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, the things we do for the love of our craft, right? And then they were like, wait a minute, this is the background radiation from the Big Bang. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad I hit on something you love, Emily. (laughs) Here's a side note about Democritus, because it's the best thing we'll ever talk about ever. Wow. Emily, Democritus is apocryphally known as the laughing philosopher (gasps) because of a tale in the letters of Hippocrates. (gasps) He writes that he was supposedly summoned to treat Democritus for laughing at everything he saw, including (laughs) funerals. Oh, no. His friends were like, something's wrong here. Get Hippocrates on the case. He's a good doctor. (laughs) 
the moral, more like the punchline, was that Democritus was the sane one because he alone had recognized the absurdity of human existence, therefore justifying his laughter. Wow. Yeah. He was like, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we are just atoms in the air and just nothing atoms. matters. <laughs> nothing matters. God isn't real. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind if I don't laugh right now. I'm going to burn Rome to the ground again, I assume, if I don't laugh right now. Emily, while we're on the topic of Democritus, I want you to just Google Democritus and look at the great paintings of him as the laughing philosopher, because they're incredible. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are they the best paintings you've ever seen? Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, this is the first one that I saw that we should make the graphic for this episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hang on. Oh, for those of you at home, Emily just <laughs> placed a virus way. into our chat. Cursed link. <laughs> oh, it's God, so I'm getting all these ads now. I don't think I can delete it. Oh, God, there's a desktop stripper downloaded on my computer. And somehow it, it downloaded Brick Breaker onto my computer. <laughs> Back to Democritus, Emily. Back yeah. to Democritus and back to Cudworth, who is complaining about atomism. Right. Uh, Cudworth believed that Democritus was the one who perverted atomism into an atheistic philosophy. He felt that Leucippus was like on the right track. He was like, yeah, atoms and void, that can exist. But then Democritus was the one who was like, but these are the only things that we know exist. And so God doesn't exist because he ain't atoms and he ain't void. Oh, yeah. Wow, you're right. Yeah. And so because Cudworth believed this, he made the comparison between Democritus's thoughts and the thoughts of the ancient Greek Stoics. Emily, which one was oh. the Stoic? Who was it? It was Columbo McCarthy. What, he, it was Columbo McCarthy that was, was the Stoic? It was Columbo McCarthy was oh, the Stoic. Oh, I'm so glad. That's, that's, so, that, that's funny because as you were talking about, you know, Adam's Void are the only thing we know exist, I was thinking that was... That was academic skepticism. That was John Voigt. He compares those two things, but the Stoics still believed in God. They and did. So they believed yes. that God had to be real because the world could only be as good as it is by intelligent design. Emily, this is a perfect segue into this quote. There we go. Because Cudworth says of the ancient Greek Stoics, should I read it as Columbo McCarthy? You have to. Okay. <laughs> you get get your cigar up. <laughs> It's me. I don't even remember the voice <laughs> no, that you I did. Got, you had it. It's literally it? Kyle. It's literally Peter Falk. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. It's me. Um, for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, we did a whole bit about the Stoics and gave them characters in our Aflatus episode. And this is where Kyle has discovered really what what I assume will one day be his most famous character. <laughs> so. Cudworth makes a comparison to the thoughts of the ancient Greek Stoics in that he felt that the world to them was neither a mere heap and conjuries of dead and stupid matter, fortuitously compacted together, nor yet a huge plant or vegetable that is and 
endued with a spermatic principle only, but an animal informed and enlivened by an intellectual soul. That soul was my partner that I lost. <laughs> God damn it. Grimulous. He was a good man. <laughs> wow. I mean, a standing ovation. Truly bringing back so much, a timeless Emily. classic like that. Thanks. All right, Emily, I'm going to bring it home now, ready? Here's the last part we're going to talk about. This has been great so far. So another important figure in this discussion is the natural philosopher Robert Boyle. Have you ever heard of Robert Boyle? I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't either, but turns out he was really, really, really important. Oh. So Boyle followed a philosophy based on atomism called, Emily, get ready for this. Corpuscularianism. Oh. (laughs) Was that the name of his dead partner? (laughs) My partner. I'm just so upset that he's gone. I can't even say his name. I can't even say it. I just used to call him Corpy. Corpy. (laughs) Corpuscularianism? corpuscularianism okay i added a little extra bit there you did (laughs) so those who followed this philosophy believed all things were not made of indivisible atoms like they believed in atomism Mm -hmm. but instead a divisible form of matter called corpuscles (laughs) yeah (laughs) also could be called corpuscules yeah it's Mm -hmm. good we're just getting grosser with every letter (laughs) so emily boyle aptly perhaps became known for among many other things his work with pressurized gas oh some of which is exemplified in his 1660 book new experiments physico-mechanical touching the spring of the air and its effects wow the spring of the air the spring of the air (laughs) yeah that just like spring in like at the end of winter time there's spring in the air yeah (laughs) the the spring in the air let's talk about gases I think actually he calls it the spring of the air because it's before they really understood pressurized gas. And so that's what I think he's talking about when he sure, says like spring when, of the air. When pressurized gas is unleashed, it's springs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So in this book, he states this. Air is nothing but a conjuries or heap of small and for the most part of flexible particles, which are raised by heat into that fluid and subtle ethereal body that surrounds the earth. And by the restless agitation of that celestial matter wherein those particles swim are so world round that each corpuscle endeavors to beat off all others from coming within the little sphere. The vehement agitation not only keeps those slender aerial bodies bodies separated and stretched out, but also makes them hit against and knock away each other and consequently require more room than that which, if they were compressed, they would take up. I mean, once again, I th- I think he's right. He is completely right, Emily. <sighs> and yes, not only was he completely right, <laughs> but he was the first person to ever say anything like this. Wow. So these But he called them corpuscles. He called he called them corpuscles, Emily. <laughs> Hate it. I know. <laughs> so these experiments that he did in this book and also a follow-up book in 1662 called The Skeptical Chemist. Chemist? Yeah, chemist. Uh which was probably his more famous <laughs> work. Yeah, chemist. I'm a chemist. <laughs> I'm a chemist. 
These experiments resulted in a pivotal thermodynamic law that we now call Boyle's Law, and it describes the relationship between the pressure and volume of a confined gas, and thusly Boyle is regarded as the first modern chemist and one of the founders of chemistry at large. Wow, that's amazing. Some of the other principles of corpuscularianism became tenets of modern chemistry and modern atomic theory, like the idea that compounds can have secondary properties different from those of the elements they're made of, forming the basis of molecular chemistry. Wow. So that's basically everything that we have to talk about science and (laughs) conjuries. But in the modern era, you're most likely to see the word conjuries used in relation to Nabokov's conjuries, which was a conjuries of works by the Russian-American novelist Vladimir Nabokov, who was famous for his controversial novel Lolita. Oh, so was Lolita part of a larger conjury? Conjuries? Singular? Conjuries, singular. Uh, No, it wasn't. (laughs) And Lolita was a separate work. Gotcha. But, Emily, I'd like to say that I'm endeavoring to change that. I don't want Conjuries to be known nowadays just for Nabokov's Conjuries. I mean, it's a great word that does seem like it has versatility. It really does. And, Emily, I believe that we should give Conjuries the recognition it finally deserves (gasps) as the original etymological goo that created the universe and binds (laughs) all atoms together in a multitude of heaps and Conjuries. Yeah. So, Emily, I want to end this before we go into a game. Can you use this word in a sentence? Boy, can I ever. I, I feel like I should have been thinking about this in the run-up. I know. I, I hoodwinked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be so distracted with all the science. You blinded me with <laughs> Yes! Yes! She said it! Ring the bells! <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> okay. Conjuries in a word. In a sentence. In a word. In a sentence. Yes, please. Okay. Conjuries in a word we know is laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's difficult to not use a sentence that's referring to laundry, but I'm going to think of something else. Okay. Every single day of my life, I get a conjuries of emails from oh. my university. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Emily, great use of Condries. Uh, that's Thanks. a thumbs up from me. Nice, nice. job. Nice. Oh, one thumbs up, says Kyle. One Condries of thumbs up. <laughs> Are you ready for a game now, Emily? I, am, I think I am ready for a game. Emily, your game today is called Conjuries. Emphasizing the con, C-O-N. Gotcha. So, Emily, listen, I sort of buried the lead, okay? (laughs) You know, you said it brought up a couple times, but Condries has been lying to us. Oh, has it? It has. I mean, from all angles, Condries looks like it should be a plural word. For sure. But it is not. But also, it technically is because the plural of Condries is also Condries. So... (laughs) It is also a plural word, but it's in a si- it is also a singular word. Monstrous. Right? So words like these are called false plurals. Emily, our game today is I'm going to give you a sentence describing the plural form of a false plural word, and you're going to have to guess both the singular and plural forms of that word. 
Are these all words where the singular and plural are the same? No. Oh. But the singular... Looks plural? Looks plural, yes. Okay. Okay? All right. I'll understand once you do the first one. So your first question is, uh, your first statement rather, is a conjuries of this might be found necessarily on the house floor or begrudgingly at a Thanksgiving dinner table. Uh, on the house floor, like in Washington, D.C.? Correct. What? Remember, this is a word that looks plural. Uh-oh. Falsely. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything Thanksgiving related or... It's not Thanksgiving related. It's something that might happen at a Thanksgiving dinner table. Thanks? Might be, might be <laughs> talked about at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Begrudgingly. Politics? It's politics, Emily. I guess that is singular. It is singular. Yes. It, it's, it's an uncountable singular. Sure. What's the plural? Politics. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's like conjuries is. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have more fun with these other okay. three. Ready? <laughs> a conjuries of these might be found at a bodybuilder convention flexing their two heads. What? Hmm. Any, what? Oh, is it like a like a like a muscle, like biceps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it, Emily. <gasps> nice. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. So there's not there's not two? I assumed it was biceps because there was two. Biceps is one muscle that wow. has two parts, and that's why it's called a biceps. Can you guess what the plural of biceps is? Biceps? Nope. By bi- uh, Honestly, the word that's coming into my brain is bicepticons. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers? Activate. The bicepticons are attacking! <laughs> uh, bicepses? Bicepses, yes. Wow, I hate that. <laughs> I know. I know, it's rough. Sounds like Gollum saying it. Yeah. Okay, Emily, uh, your next one is, a conjuries of these might figuratively mean a lot of tough decisions ahead and literally mean a traffic nightmare. I feel like something like like forks in the road or... Yes, you're on the... Oh my God, you're so close. <laughs> but it's, a, it's one word. Yeah. It's one word that sounds plural, mm-hmm. and it's, oh, I don't know if I know. <laughs> Do you want me to give you this one, Emily? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm right on the edge of it, but you I can't so get close. there. You are so close. I'll give you half a point for getting road. <laughs> That's fair. The word is crossroads. Crossroads. Yes. I, you know what it was is that in my head it was highway driving, so there weren't any intersections. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, off ramps? On ramps? <laughs> So funny. (laughs) HOV lanes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Crossroads Crossroads. is a singular, a false plural. Yeah. um, In that is singular. Can you guess what the plural of Crossroads is? Crossroadses? No, it's just Crossroads. No. That's fair. (laughs) It's not a fun one. But this last one's a fun one, Emily. All right. I'm ready. You're not. You're not going to get it. But it's fun. Ready? A conjuries of these might be found at a Toyota dealership. At least going back to the year 2001. Oh, it's got to be like a model of Toyota. Mm-hmm. It's a Toyota. Mm-hmm. 
uh, is a Prius Toyota. <gasps> Emily, you got it. <gasps> oh, yes. It literally, as soon as you said, you're not going to get this one. I was like, I have to get this one. <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, you did get it. I'm so proud of you. Oh, and it is Priuses. The plural of Prius is not Priuses. What? But that's what people say. It's, well, they're wrong. Prii? Emily, the plural of Prius is Prii. That's... <laughs> And here's how I know that's the case. Oh. In 2011, Toyota held an open campaign called Prius Goes Plural, in which the public decided what the plural for Prius oh should be. Oh, my God. Prii beat out Prius, Priuses, Priam, and Prien to gain a spot next to its, and this is true, next to its singular form on dictionary.com. I'm not kidding. It's got a dictionary entry. Wow. Prius and Prii. And Prii. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a real a real Bodie McBoatface outcome. <laughs> a real Bodie McBoatface outcome. <laughs> you gave the people power and it didn't go well. <laughs> they gave us a conjuries of bad answers. <laughs> uh, bringing it home. Bringing it home. Wow. I mean, I love this word, Kyle. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually try to use this one because this is a really good one. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, everybody, thanks for listening. And remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, you can consider maybe giving us a five-star rating or a review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout-out either on social media or here on the podcast. So thanks so much to all of you who donate. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.